The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. A little more Julio Jones talk and fantasy lessons learned from a draft that we did last year. Some good stuff. Boy, what do you see the first two rounds of the fantasy football today draft that we did in 2020? A lot of garbage in there. I'm Adam Azer with Dave Richard and Jamie Eisenberg. Hope you heard the bonus podcast we recorded yesterday afternoon when Julio Jones was traded to the Titans. Jamie, you didn't uh, you didn't get a chance to chime in there. So, what do you think of the big news? I mean, it's not a surprise. You know, this was the team I think a lot of people were expecting him to end up with, um, especially after the video was leaked of him working out with uh, Derrick Henry. So it's a good good destination for him from the standpoint of there's a lot of targets available. Um, it's a good situation for Ryan Tannehill. It's a great situation for Calvin Ridley. doesn't really hurt uh, A.J. Brown too much. And, um, you know, the biggest loser is, is obviously Matt Ryan in this whole equation because he loses one of the best receivers in football, um, despite his advanced age. But, you know, for Julio, it's a, it's a spot where he can still be successful. Not a not one of the elite fantasy receivers anymore, but, you know, still good enough that he can be a starting fantasy option and still be successful with the Titans. Why is he not an elite wide receiver anymore, Because fantasy wide receiver, because he's on the well, Titans Well, I mean, he's 32, now? he's injury prone, he's on a team that doesn't, you know, have the same type of volume that he had previously. So, um, you know, they're, they're just... You know, some red flags, but not enough that you're going to say I'm, I'm staying away from him. Not enough that uh, or you should at least, you know, you're not draft. He wasn't being drafted in the same spots that he was previously. So, you know, he, he may drop, a, you know, half a round or a round by going to Tennessee. And, um, you know, it could probably end up being a, a, a little bit of a bargain, you know, in that spot. OK, Dave is here as well. And Hi. yeah, you know, yesterday when I was talking about the the splits for Jones and, and the Azer stats, whatnot, I know, but. You, eliminating the two games that he left early. When Heath was like, well, no, he left a lot of games early. You just eliminated the blah, blah, blah. And I said, two games where he played 35% or fewer of the snaps. And actually, you look at the snap share of the other games, and he didn't leave early. I mean, maybe he did. He came in and out or something like that. But he's an 80% snap share guy, and he was right around that in seven of his nine games. So those were the seven games I was looking at. And in those seven games, he was on pace for 1,600 yards. And that has been the point I've been making about Julio Jones. He did not drop off last year. When he was healthy, he was on pace for 1,600 yards. His that, yards per game were better than 2019. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they are. Were they compare if you kept those two games that he left early? They were still sure. better? Yeah, right. That's my point. It, right. So when he was healthy, he was incredible. And both of you and Heath have both kind of said, correct me if I'm wrong, Dave, I know Jamie just said it, that it's not that bad for A.J. Brown. But right. I... I have to. I just have to follow up on that. Why don't you think it's that bad? He is getting now an elite, in my opinion, still elite wide receiver. Maybe he's. Maybe well, I mean, it's, it's it's bad. I mean, it's not great. It, it kills the upside. It, 
It, yeah, right. It just, but it doesn't really, you know, this was a guy you've heard me say time and again that he's got top three and maybe number one upside. I was drafting him as a top three receiver. I dropped him to 10, you know, so you know, we're we're talking about a drop, but it's, it's not, this isn't like crushing for him. I mean, we saw Julio and Calvin Ridley coexist. I, I, I didn't realize you dropped him to 10 because I think Heath was still in like the six, seven range or something like that. But and Dave, I'm where, where still at seven. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. I, I guess my thought would be he'd be closer to 10, but you're not, you're not no, dropping him as far. Because I, I still think he can get good volume. I don't think he's going to shrivel up to a, a four target per game type of guy. I, I, I think this is a signal that Tennessee will throw the ball a little bit more. We talked about this. You don't add Julio Jones and say, okay, we're still going to run the ball you know, 50% of the time or whatever they did last year. Um, you know, they threw it 143 fewer times than Atlanta did last year, just by comparison's sake. They're they're going to ramp it up to a degree. I don't think it'll be that much. It might be 500 attempts. Uh, maybe maybe call it 520 because there's 17 games. And that's presuming that Julio stays healthy, and he's been healthy for most of the last seven years. I, I think that you can certainly say that A.J. Brown is not going to get double coverage anymore, and he might not be at the end of a target funnel, like he would have been if Julio Jones was traded somewhere else. But I would imagine the overwhelming majority of targets in Tennessee are going to go to those two wide receivers, neither one of which will constantly see double-team coverage. They'll see safeties over the top. This team's going to see a lot of cover two and cover three moving forward. And that'll, that, that makes things very easy for both receivers, but especially somebody like A.J. Brown, who's so good after the catch, and that just makes his efficiency pop. So I'm, I'm totally fine, A, taking him ahead of Julio Jones, and B, still considering him inside of the top 10 as a number one fantasy receiver. Okay. Uh, so over the last three years, the Titans have averaged 187 passes, few, 187 fewer passes per season than the Falcons. 187 on a oh, yeah. uh, top five. Atlanta's been top five in pass attempts three straight seasons. Tennessee's been bottom three, three straight seasons. Uh, but one thing, look, that obviously can change. But one thing uh, that you should know is that in 2019, they threw the same amount of touchdown passes. And in 2020, the Titans actually threw more. So they throw so many fewer times, but Ryan Tannehill threw more touchdown passes than Matt Ryan. So that's good. Um, Dave, I know you wanted to add something. You said before the show you wanted to add something to the discussion we had yesterday. There's a couple of things. First of all, on-target percentage last year, Ryan Tannehill had a better on-target percentage than Matt Ryan, but it was only by a couple of percentage points, both of them north of 75% on target. That's good. But how about deep passing percentage? I went on Pro Football Focus to look, and kind of a double-edged sword here that jibes with everything else that we've been saying. Tannehill's adjusted completion rate, this is when they throw out spikes and throwaway passes and all that stuff, drop passes. His deep ball completion rate when adjusted was 51.3%. That's really good, actually. That's the seventh best mark of all the quarterbacks in the league last year. Matt Ryan was at 47.4%, so a little bit worse. But Matt Ryan threw 78 deep balls, twice as many as Ryan Tannehill did last year. Mm. So that's that. That's the, the plus and the minus of it all. Again, I would expect Tennessee to throw more deep balls, but it might be more like 50 over the balance of the year, whereas Atlanta's probably going to throw at least as many as they did last year, I would imagine. I would say it's less because you're taking the offensive coordinator from the Titans and putting him in Atlanta. So, you know, you're going to have probably a little bit more of a Tennessee-type offense in Atlanta. And who knows what Todd Downey's going to do taking over, if he's going to continue to do the same thing that Arthur Smith was doing, or is he going to, you know, put his own influence in there? You'll have to see him put his own influence in there just to see what, you know, he can do with a new toy, different 
personnel, you know, so they're going to run certainly less two tight end sets, you know, looking at their tight end personnel. That's something that they do a ton. So, you know, now you have another receiver on the field, um, which could be Josh Reynolds or, you know, Des Kirkpatrick. You know, we'll see which one of those two guys step forward. So I, I'm, I'm expecting the Titans to throw the ball more. Um, their personnel speaks to that. And one thing that John Robinson said yesterday in addressing the media was that they're not done at the tight end position. And, you know, there's a big name that's going to be available. You know, do they go out and make a move to get a guy like Zach Ertz? Hmm. So we'll see when he becomes free and if that's something that he considers or if they, you know, uh, make a trade uh, again. You know, they're losing capitals. Uh with the move to get Julio. So, um, but you know, the fact that they're still exploring that position tells you that either a, they're not thrilled with Anthony Ferkser as their number one option, or they're just looking to add depth behind him knowing that they just lost, you know, Pruitt as well, who signed with the 49ers. Okay. Two more quick questions, guys. Ryan Tannehill was QB eight last year and he was top 12 per game, 10th and 4.11th and Six point. There's another guy. He just rushed seven rushing touchdowns last year. Man, where did that come from? Um, He's been awesome. I know, yeah. and and then um, twenty fantasy points or more in twenty one of twenty six games with Tennessee. Yeah, it's terrific. And then he was QB ten, I believe, after he took over as the starter in twenty nineteen. So can, he was can, number two down the stretch. Remember? Yeah, I don't know what behind Lamar Jackson, like the final oh, six. Or what seven did I say? Why did I say he was ten? He was two. He was two, and uh, right in his ten starts. That's what it was. It was ten starts. I said ten. Uh, he was QB two. So. You know, can he can he be top eight? Yeah, how high do you think you're going to get on Ryan Tannehill in the rankings? I put him 12 initially. Um, you know, just just following the 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 trade, he was originally uh, 15, mm-hmm. and so I just basically swapped him with Ryan. Uh, but I could see myself moving ahead of Burrow. You know, I have Burrow right now uh, at 11. Um, I could see myself moving ahead of Rogers, depending on how that all plays out. That's an easy one. Um, it's going to be hard for him to crack the top eight for me, at least. Uh, but he's, he's right there. You know, he's, he's one of the best values that certainly anybody who has drafted already has gotten even before the move. And now he's only going to get even better. He's going to obviously get drafted sooner, but, um, still, you know, you like waiting on quarterbacks. This is the perfect guy to target. He is the absolute number one, perfect guy to target and his schedule to begin the season is delightful. I think you can, I I've got him ranked as the second or third best schedule to begin the year. We're talking about going up against, I believe it's Arizona that they play in week one. I was checking to see. I know they've got Seattle and Indianapolis also early on in the year. On the balance of the year, I've got their schedule ranked. This is without week 18 included in there. I've got a middle of the pack. I think we could see a really fast start from everybody involved in the passing game in Tennessee. And then maybe you sell high. Maybe even on A.J. Brown. You should have kept after going what after they do in the first third. After Cardinals, Seahawks, Titans, because then it's Jets and Jaguars. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Jets and Jaguars yeah. after that. Yep. All right. I just didn't have it memorized, and I was going to look for it. Two I know that the early Texas schedule too. is great. Yeah, yeah Texans right. coming up. I think uh, one of them, though, might be late, like week 18. It is. Yeah, week 18. Um, yeah, okay, guys, so the final question is, are you going, and please just be quick on this, are you going to downgrade Derrick Henry thinking he won't get as many carries this year? No, no, I actually upgraded him. Yeah, me too. Um, I, I think, you know, you just look at what this offense was looking like prior to this move, and it was, okay, stop A.J. Brown, stop Derrick Henry. Now you have a, you know, borderline Hall of Famer that you have to worry about as well. And, uh, you know, Henry, I mean, I didn't significantly, you know, upgrade him, but I had him seventh in PPR. I put him to five. I left him alone in non-PPR where he's three. So, uh, you know, you can make a case that he's two. If you want to behind McCaffrey, maybe even one in non PPR, you know, yep. he's just he's he's just proven, you know, and and knowing that this offensive line is good, the quarterback is good, the receiving core is now better. 
he's he, he is who he is. If he doesn't get hurt, he's going to be fine. And you know, I think they were already planning to throw him the ball a little bit more based on some of the things you saw in in, in the offseason work. And so any uptick there is just a bonus. Who do you like how, to win the how division? Our defense is going to stop this offense. Who do you like to win the division? Tell me that. The Titans. I think I, I think I might give a nod to the Titans at this point, too, they're, just because defense, no dominant defense in the division. They're de- well, the Colts are pretty good. Colts you know, their their defense. I don't know. Is I, obviously, I okay. the question mark. You know, can they get to the passer? They really struggled with that last year. They're trying. Um, the 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 best thing about this team is, you know, you, and it's cliche, but they embody their coach. They they're physical. They're tough. You know, they 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 punch you in the mouth. They're not afraid of things, and you know that's like I think you know what Mike Vrabel brings. Uh, any conversation you have with Mike Vrabel, he just, you know, you, you see his football team resemble the way that he speaks and, and, and carries himself. And, you know, they're just one of those teams. I think they're going to be, you know, just, just tough, tough, okay. tough team. All right. Yeah. Tennessee. They also, they added Bud Dupree. They added Danico Autry and Janoris Jenkins. Um, so they, they upgraded in free agency over the off season. And they drafted a corner. Caleb Farley. Oh Yeah. Even better. Okay. Yeah, if the secondary so, ends up panning out, then they're they're going to walk away with the division easily. But they also need Bud Dupree to play like he did pre-injury. I'm a little sleepy because I was up late watching some U.S. soccer last night. Are you yeah. watching the Yankees too? Not Mayweather. We don't Paul? talk about that. No, I didn't watch Mayweather. Paul, but we I did watch stupid Yankees. Pathetic, pathetic team. But also <laughs> U.S. soccer. Holy cow! What a game! It was on Paramount Plus. Awesome. So I hope mm-hmm. you listen to me. Um, and, uh, yeah, big win there, but you know, you also, you gotta be watching CBS sports HQ. You gotta be watching Paramount plus sign up for Paramount plus, especially if you're a soccer fan, but you also tomorrow night, Tuesday night, put it on your schedule right now, 7 PM Eastern. Join us on YouTube for a live mock draft. Uh, so that's again, Tuesday, 7 PM Eastern. It's on youtube.com slash fantasy football today. Watch our mock draft. Ask us questions throughout. We'll be giving away a year long subscription to Sportsline during the draft. What this is amazing. All right. You get a mock draft, you get to ask us questions, and you can win a year long subscription to Sportsline. You could be making money on Tuesday night at 7 PM Eastern. Subscribe to the channel, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We'll see you there Tuesday night, 7 PM Eastern. So we're going to review the Fantasy Football Today draft that we did last year. And uh, look, it's one draft, but I try to take some trends that I know were, were relevant and, and you know present in other drafts as well. Um, and just kind of have some fun with it. Lessons learned and whatnot. Dave gave me a cool note before the show. Uh, Michael Pittman wasn't the most impactful. He had a couple of weeks or whatever. But Claypool, Brandon Ayuk, those three guys, Pittman, Claypool, Ayuk, they were all dropped by the teams that, that drafted them. All picked in round 12 or later and all dropped by the teams that drafted them. And it's just a reminder that you need to show some patience as long as you can with any rookie that you draft, whether it's a receiver or otherwise. Oh, and really, you should extend receiver. it to every player you draft. I talk about it all the time. Receivers, even the best ones, get off to slow start. Rookie receivers, they mm-hmm. always get off to slow starts. So Yeah, just look at Jerry Judy. It's been a whole year. Yeah, yeah. You just look at Justin Jefferson. Except I think Marquise Brown did not get off to a slow That's start. That's a good right? one. Did Jefferson end up did you you drafted Jefferson in that league? Did you keep him? Oh, I hope oh, we're, so. We're about to find out right I now. Hope this so. is gonna be great. I drafted Jefferson. You drafted Justin Jefferson. And was he on I'm your roster sure when the season him. ended? The answer is no. Really? I dropped him? You dropped Justin Jefferson at some point. Let's see oh, when you did. 
go ahead and keep going. I'll, all right, I'll all right. <laughs> well, first of this all, this will be fun. No, this is not fun. Oh, this could be great. Jamie brings Jamie, up isn't this great? stupid Yankees, and now I have to deal with dropping Justin Jefferson. <laughs> Remember how excited you were about Justin Jefferson last year? And then you dropped him. You know, look, sometimes you have to make roster decisions and you see a guy do like nothing in his first two weeks, whatever, but try to be patient with rookie wide receivers. Uh, okay, so this was a cool he league. You dropped him on September 16th. So that was after week two. You gave him two whole weeks. Who did I pick up? Uh, Peyton Barber. Oh. Peyton <laughs> Barber. <laughs> Oh, fantasy football. You are a cruel You did, you beast. did drop Peyton Barber to get Wayne Gallman, so. Uh, did there I? you go. All right, well, that's good. That's and then good. let's see. So let's see who picked up. And you dropped Wayne Gallman for Cordero Patterson. That was a great move. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> wow. So Jefferson was picked up 14 days later by George Maselli for $17. That was the <laughs> fab. Okay, so he stayed out on waivers for a full week. How about two that? weeks, two weeks. Yeah, he was unclaimed the following week, right? And then will will up. you remember this now when you when when you start drafting players in the back half of your leagues this year? Will you promise yourself, okay, I'm going to give these guys at least three weeks, unless I'm just decimated by injuries and I got to make a move? Well, hopefully that's what happened. If I was picking up Peyton Barber, uh, yeah. So this is a guy that through through two weeks, Justin Jefferson had six targets. So. I, I could understand people dropping him. I can understand me dropping him. He had six targets and 70 yards. So, I, you know, what are you going to do? And then he goes off for seven catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown in the in week three. Oh, Round sickening. 15 pick. What a great pick. Right after I took Robbie Gold. <laughs> I took Gold one spot out of Jefferson. Okay, anyway, uh, try to hang on to your rookie wide receivers. Now, this was a cool league because Dave... Freaking crushed. It is good that you held, you held, you held on to Paris Campbell. <laughs> no, he was on IR. He was on IR. No, okay. no, no. He was healthy when you dropped him. When you dropped Jefferson. No, he got hurt in week two. I'm not sure if that's true. Well, he wouldn't have been on your IR. He wasn't on IR by then. He got hurt that week. So I yeah. Did you I even did. start Peyton Barber? I dude, I don't know. All right, listen, Dave <laughs> absolutely crushed the draft, and he was the number one seed. He he drafted Russell Wilson in round six. He drafted uh, Dalvin Cook and Nick Chubb and Chris Carson with his first three picks. You're going to see running back in the first two rounds was awful in this draft last year. It was just bust after bust after bust. But Dave managed to do well. I mean, Nick Chubb did miss some time. But Dave managed to do well with Cook and Chubb and Carson as his first three picks. Then DK Metcalf in round four. Darren Waller in round seven. I mean, Dave absolutely crushed it. He was the number one seed. And he lost in the finals to Jamie, who drafted. Oh man, it was so, it was so heartbreaking. He drafted Christian McCaffrey first overall. Um, he drafted Tariq Cohen as his number two running back. He did draft uh, J.K. Dobbins, Marlon Mack, Daryl Williams. Those were his. I drafted Cohen as my second running back. Yeah, I'm almost positive. Yeah, I looked at your your draft. Um, you had a swing pick, obviously, so you went Cohen. You may might have gone Cohen Dobbins back to back, but oh, I did, yeah. but you had you know. One pick can really make a season, and Jamie took Stefan Diggs with the first <laughs> pick of round five, 49. I think he scored round. another touchdown just now. <laughs> uh, so he had Hopkins 16, and, 16. Hopkins and Diggs. He also had Mahomes. But I, think I snuck in as the six seed. Yeah, there's no doubt Dave had a better draft than everyone. I mean, Dave had the number one. He was great. He, he deserved to win. Uh, but Jamie won, and I compared 
the teams you drafted with the teams that you started in your fantasy playoffs, in your fantasy championship. And and they're pretty similar. For Jamie, it was uh, Mahomes, you know, drafted and started. Dobbins was drafted as his number three running back, and he, he had Mike Davis, who was your backup to McCaffrey. And you started Diggs, Hopkins, and Marvin Jones, your first three wide if receivers. I, if I remember this league correctly, I think I spent all my fab on Mike Davis because wow. there were no running backs available. And I was like piecemealing that position together Dude, all season long. I would have traded you Peyton Barbary. All you had to do was ask. <laughs> um, yeah, so <laughs> your flex was Darnell Mooney. You won the championship with Darnell Mooney as your flex. He won the championship with Stephon Diggs. Yeah, and Cole yeah. Komet was your tight end. Dave, yeah, Mike Davis, you spent 41 of your fab on. Dave, you had a, like almost an identical lineup to what you drafted, except you had Cole Beasley in there. Um, yeah, that was you, great. You didn't draft him. but He couldn't catch a touchdown in week 16? This is a PPR league, and it's three receivers and a flex. And Dave didn't draft a wide receiver until round four. It was DK Metcalf. Uh, and then Marquise Brown was your number two receiver, so you kind of got by while Marquise Brown struggled, and then he was really good for you late in the year. C.D. Lamb was your number three receiver. That was a great pick, but, of course, the Dak injury set that one back. But you got there from Waller and Wilson for a while and Cook and Chubb and Carson. So, anyway, just wanted to set that scene for you. Yeah, Jamie took a lawnmower to Dave's team yeah, in the uh, Fantasy Championship. <laughs> there are different ways to get to the championship, is I guess the point I'm making. But if we look at round one, this is what I really wanted to focus on. Uh, round one was was awful. Well, I, okay, the, look at the running back. Look at rounds one and two. You say it was awful. I mean, it was injuries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, okay. McCaffrey, Barkley, first two picks. Kamara ended up as RB one. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott is the fourth pick, and he didn't really perform like that after the Dak injury. He was, I think, RB two before, so it wasn't a bad pick. Michael Thomas, <laughs> horrible pick. Uh, Dalvin I mean, Cook. Again, horrible. It's injuries. No, I'm not saying that the that the fantasy managers made a mistake. I'm just saying it ended up. For, it was injuries, but he also played what seven games, didn't catch a touchdown. I mean, many. he had a high ankle sprain for the majority of the season. It, and Jamie, then they I, I'm not. I'm just saying it ended up being a bad pick. No, you can't say horrible pick. Horrible result. Horrible. Fine. Horrible result. You know what I'm saying. But isn't that like how it usually goes? Like how let's count how many players that were taken in the first couple of rounds that just stayed healthy for the majority of the year and sucked. I think this was unusually bad. McCaffrey, Barkley, Kamara, Zeke, Michael Thomas, Dalvin Cook, Clyde Edwards, Elair. But those first six were basically the six that were being drafted in those spots anyway. Absolutely. I, again, they were the right picks. I'm just saying it didn't work out. Right. Clyde Edwards, Elair, Derek Henry, Miles. Who took Clyde Edwards, Elair at seven? The guy who dropped Justin Jefferson. <laughs> <laughs> Devontae Adams. Well, we would have all done it. We were all yep. crazy for Edwards, Elair last year. Devontae Adams to Chris. Chris took four wide receivers with his first four picks. He took one wide receiver with each of his first four picks. Um, he didn't He didn't have 16 wide receivers after round four. Uh, Devontae Adams, Austin Eckler, Joe Mixon. So a lot of injuries. Some players who just didn't play that well, like Mixon and Miles Sanders, I'd say, and Michael Thomas, plus injuries. Mixon was hurt. Yeah, but he wasn't that yeah, good. Yeah, but he was one terrible until that Jacksonville game. Uh, round two, Kelsey, Aaron Jones, good. Julio Jones, Tyreek Hill, it's pretty good. Pretty good round. Jake, then look at this. Jacobs, I, he ended up as a top 10 running back. It was a weird season. Kenyon Drake to me. Good good pick. Um, Nick Chubb, George Kittle, DJ Moore, James Conner, Chris Godwin, Patrick Mahomes. Uh, round two was actually pretty solid, I guess. 
Kenyon Drake, James Conner aside. Um, yeah, anyway, when you look at the running backs, they really, a lot of them got hurt. Some of them were just bad. And Dave, you you had the best team in the league, and you drafted three running backs with your with your first three picks. But did were there any lessons gained from uh, from looking at these first two rounds and all the running backs that were busts, either mostly because of injury or in some cases just not playing well? I mean, this doesn't cinch it, but my team is evidence that you can start your draft running back, running back, running back, and challenge for the championship. You you have to get lucky, like I did. I mean, I Dalvin Cook didn't really get hurt. Um, Nick Chubb did get hurt, but when he did play, he was awesome. Same thing with Chris Carson. Well, Carson wasn't awesome when he played. He was like awesome half the time when he played. Um, but the, the whole premise of what I'm saying is you, you load up on running backs early. I think there's going to be a lot of fantasy managers that do that this coming year. And you can find guys to get by at wide receiver and other positions and still pick up some other running backs along the way. But you're getting those studs early on and you're crossing your fingers that they can stay healthy. Jamie, I, I noticed that, you know, going into 2020, I had been talking about this. I, I did some kind of AD, ADP versus result research, and I saw that the first two rounds that we, you know, from 2017, 18, 19, right? So this was during RB preview season. We, we as a fantasy community, draft pretty well the running backs in rounds uh, one and two. Round three and four or five. The dead zone. What's that? The dead zone. Yeah, yeah. It starts in round three. You get, yeah, and last year was like you had Gurley and Le'Veon Bell and these guys that nobody wanted, whatever. But um, I still have a huge fly in my room. So, but but the last two years ha- have been worse. Uh, and, you know, injuries have been a big part of that. But there have been some, some just outright busts that we didn't really have in 2017, 2018. Very few of them. 2019 and 20, I would say there have been some outright busts in the first couple of rounds. Do you think that you you don't think this? I know because you love going with three running backs to start. But do you think that we should pull it back and cool off on the running backs a little bit? I only do it when I get three of my top fifteen guys. So you know it depends on who's there in the third round. But I think you know if you're looking at it, and, and part of this I don't think gets fully discussed is that you know we say the running backs in rounds three, four, and five. The reason for that is is that people panic a little bit because of all the running backs that typically go in the first two rounds. And so when you get past the top 12 guys, there's a reason why they're ranked in the top 12, because they're expected to perform at a certain level compared to the guys that are ranked 13 through 24. A lot of those guys are typically, oh, this guy's going to get volume, or this guy's in a good situation, or this is a young player that's expected to take a step forward. And sometimes they don't. And so, you know, when you're looking at these guys, like Dave hit on one in particular, and it's the only, there, there were two running backs I'm looking at round three that were drafted in the third round of this particular draft. It's a half PPR draft, and you said we start three receivers. Chris Carson and Todd Gurley, and you know how that worked out. Carson, younger player in an offense that still ran the ball significantly enough and performed well when healthy. Gurley, young enough, but obviously we know what his situation has been, and he changed teams, and he struggled. Then you get to round four. I mean, this is the, these are the names we're talking about here. Melvin Gordon, Jonathan Taylor were the only two running backs in that round. And again, you know how that worked out. Gordon, when he was by himself, was good. Taylor, young player, took time to eventually become the player that he is now. And so these are the names that we're talking about here, you know. And then he gets around five. It's Kareem Hunt, David Johnson, and Antonio Gibson, Raheem Mostert. Again, mixed bag. So, you know, I think you just have to take into account what happens in the first two rounds. 
And why are these running backs? Going? We're not talking about 12 running backs going over three rounds. We just named seven guys. You know, okay, there's, there's, there's a reason why these seven guys are going in these spots. So, yes, it's a dead zone for the, that, that position. But, again, you got to factor in what happens in the first two rounds. And, again, what happened in the first two rounds, why did the guys fail? For the most part, it was injury. It wasn't really poor performance. You, you mentioned a few. You know, Miles Sanders stands out. Joe Mixon, if you want to say, he stands out. But he missed the majority of the season. So, who knows how he would have finished. So, it's really injury with those guys in the first couple of rounds. If those guys yeah. hit, you're going to be in a pretty good spot, even if you do take a guy in the third, fourth, and fifth round. But, again, we're not talking about a plethora of guys in those, in those spots. Yeah, and Kenyon Drake and James Conner, I, I wanted to highlight, too. I think they were pretty bad. It, it, you know, look, Connor actually got off to a really good start, and then they just stopped giving him the ball. And Drake, I guess he had a decent finish, but they weren't— Scored a lot of touchdowns. They weren't really second-round picks. And Kenyon Drake stopped catching the ball, which I don't think we really anticipated. And I think for the guys that are going to be— dra- you know, in, in terms of learning a lesson, the guys who are going to be drafted in the first couple of rounds of this year's draft, the majority of the ones that I think you have concerns about, whether you do or you don't, but I think you should, is the second-year guys, just because there's not a huge sample size. Right. And so, Acres, what are we going off of? You know, five games at the end of the season where three of those, the backup didn't play at all and he had all the work. Swift, we know about everything that's going on with him. Um, Dobbins, you know, there, there's other mouths to feed, as the offense coordinator just said. You know, we're going to use all our guys. Um, Edwards Hilaire, we saw what happened with him. You know, I mean, you just it goes on Get and on turn. and on. You know, it's not necessarily just the, the, the mix-ins and the chubs of the world. You know, I know Chris called him a bust, but – um, you know, guys like that, it's, it's, it's the second year guys. I think that are going to be pushed up the ladder maybe too soon. And those are the ones that could fail if they do. Yeah. And then I think the, the best picks, some of the best picks we saw in this draft were the round four receivers. Um, AJ Brown, they're all, these three in particular are, are year <laughs> two guys. They were year two guys, AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf all went in round four. And uh, so did Tyler Lockett. So did Adam Thielen and Amari Cooper. Cooper, you know, was on his way to a good year. This could have been a really good round for wide receivers, except toward the end we had Sutton, you know, he got hurt. Uh, T.Y. Hilton, which was not a pick we would have made. Somebody else did in this draft. Uh, and D.J. Chark was the last pick of the round. But but Dave, do you see round four, which looked like it was going to be, I mean, coming in, we thought round three and four are going to be great wide receiver rounds. Mm-hmm. You know, get your wide receivers there. And even round five, I think we were saying, uh, do you see something similar this year? T- yes. Players like McLaurin and Metcalf and A.J. Brown that could become elite. Well, McLaurin, I can't say was elite because he only had, I think, four touchdown catches. But you know what I mean. Well, he, he might become elite this year now that he's got what I would call an upgrade at quarterback to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jamie's talked about how much he loves Terry McLaurin. I would imagine that he would be totally comfortable taking him by round I three. I don't but know that he's going to get to round four. That's my point. Yeah. Do you, sure. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I think, I think you're going to see, like I said earlier, you're going to see a lot of people target running backs early on. I would imagine that maybe three or four managers will either get three running backs with their first three picks or two running backs in a tight end over their first three picks. And they're going to wait to go after wide receivers. I don't think you're going to see a lot of fantasy managers go zero RB, maybe one in every draft. You might see one, well, no, it's going to be one. modified zero RB. You're yeah, that's, I, that's what I would hope so. Right. That's the new trend for everybody. Solo RB. Which get is one what? running back early on, oh. and then you can go get some other wide receivers. You'll see maybe three or four managers in a draft get one running back and a couple of wide receivers through the first three rounds, and then they'll they'll pick through what's left at running back in rounds four and five. But I think that's going to be the perfect time to go after some wide receivers is in rounds 
three if you don't like a running back, but definitely rounds four and five. You will find names that you will be very happy with starting. So just looking at one of our most recent drafts that we've done already, our mock draft, and again, the draft we're referencing was done closer to the season last year. This draft was done that I'm referencing now following the NFL draft, so within the last month or so. So the receivers started to go off the board here in round three, and these are the guys that went in round three. Keenan Allen, DK Metcalf, Julio Jones, again, pre-trade, Calvin Ridley, Terry McLaurin, Allen Robinson, and that, that was the list. Then round four, it was Robert Woods. This is a PPR draft comparing it to half PPR, so take that into account as well. Robert Woods, Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, DJ Moore, Adam Thielen, C.D. Lamb, Tyler Lockett. So okay. it's a very similar pattern. Wait, right. but I want to point out a key difference here. Last year, the, the three players I mentioned were rookies. This year, the round four wide receivers seem to be bounce-back candidates. Guys that, uh, like, a, like, I don't know if Cooper Cup will get there, but I guess I can't really call Robert Woods a bounce-back candidate. I, he had... no. I don't he had know. a pretty good year. He had no, okay. but the guys you're talking about, Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper. Is a you're talking about guys that Godwin that, Evans, DJ Moore. DJ uh, Moore is a bounce back candidate. CD Lamb, I guess you could put in that Lamb category. Lamb would be the one, mm-hmm. right? Lamb would be the one that would be right. in the more right. in the Metcalf, the second year player, right. mold. Um, yeah, so it's it's kind of interesting. I don't know how we feel about that. Does that change anything? Uh, that you're no. you're getting guys that are kind of coming off disappointing seasons. But really, the rookies from a year ago that are going to get drafted high, obviously Jefferson's going to be, depending on you know who you're drafting with, whatever, he's most likely around two pick, but, but could be around one pick, you know, depending on how people get so excited about him. Um, that's really the one that's going to be the highest. Then you get C.D. Lamb is typically the second guy off the board. If you want to put Jamar Chase in the conversation, too, just talking about young receivers, but, yeah. you know, Deontay Johnson, well, no, he's, he's not a second He's guy. not, right, um, right. But Clay- uh, Claypool. It, it, it's Ayuk and, and Higgins are in the next wave. Claypool's in the next wave. You know, that there's not a lot of guys that are going to get drafted to the same level. Jefferson's just on a different plane. Yeah, the more we talk about it, I really do like RB. I, I really do like at least being open to taking three running backs to start the draft because I... It's got to be the right three, though. That's the yeah, thing. Yeah, right, being open to you it. Know, when I was doing it early, I was doing it when I was getting Antonio Gibson, and he was the one as my third guy. Sometimes I think I did it with Dobbins as my third guy. You got to get the right three, and yeah. and that's going into the process. Like you're not so, taking Chris Carson in the third round. At least you shouldn't. You know, David Montgomery's borderline guy. Don't take Josh Jacobs in the third round. You know, don't don't reach for Miles Gaskin in the third round. You know, it's got to be three guys that you're sold on. For me, it's three guys that I'm sold on. So where's the cutoff then? At like least said, in your mind, right now. Like, does Montgomery back. make the cut? Not for me. No, it's typically around my fifteenth running back because I look at the receivers that are on the board still. And they're just stars. They're absolute stars when you get to the third round. I know. But Montgomery, I don't think Montgomery is going to be a top five running back or whatever he finished as last year. He was awesome. But I Not think close. he'll still be good. No, I would it surprise you if he finished as RB12? No, but I don't no. want to draft RB12. I want to draft RB10 or higher. If the difference is two spots between RB12 yeah, and RB10, I'm okay taking that as my third running back. I don't back. want that. Okay, so I'm okay with Montgomery as my third. What about Miles Sanders? Right here, right now, would you take him? Yes, in round he, three, he, I would too. Well, you know what? No, that that this was this was a, a month ago or two months ago. Yes, uh, now no. I'd rather take a receiver over Miles Sanders. Okay, him. and you already said Carson and Jacobs. I agree with you on that. I, I don't know if there's really anybody else that I would consider to be on the fence. I wouldn't consider ETN to be that worth a well, round three. Carson, tar- Carson's not. Not for mm-hmm. me. I'm I'm worried about a letdown for Carson this year. Jamie, is Carson in your fifteen? No. 
And my list like, is actually yeah, This is the draft. Now, now, again, fluky, obviously. But this was the draft where I took – the one I pulled up, is where I took Najee Harris in the third round. So this is the example. Oh. <laughs> Just three guys in the, in, yeah. in the top 15. For, forget the name. <laughs> Antonio Gibson and Clyde Edwards, the two running backs, went right before him and McLaurin. So the, the four picks were Gibson, Edwards, Delaire, McLaurin, Harris. Take out McLaurin, put Harris – uh, in a different spot. If it was Gibson or Edward Solaire, that's what I'm doing. So I took Eckler in round one. This is PPR. Chubb in round two. If you tell me I get Gibson, Edward Solaire, or Najee Harris in round three, and again, you want to throw Harris You're out of there. You're doing that every time. The next running back after Harris is Chris Carson. There, there, was my, there was my cutoff. Okay, and so who are your wide receivers? My wide receivers? So in round four, I, it, it's almost been a very similar path. I take Amari Cooper in the fourth round almost every time. Okay. So Cooper in round four. No problem. Round five, I took Hawkinson. So... Uh, round six, I took Sutton, and round seven, I took another running back, Michael Carter, and then Jalen Waddle was my third receiver. So, do you think Amari Cooper has DK Metcalf, AJ Brown potential like last year? You know, top ten per game, just behind. I'm trying to figure out who in round four. And this is a slightly different discussion than the lessons learned, but I'm trying to figure out who in that group of veteran guys: Godwin, Evans, Cooper. Um, Allen Robinson, who's got the potential to win you your league? I struggle with that. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. I, I don't you, know. Who you does. have to put Cooper in this list, though, because in those first four games with Dak and this newfangled offense, he's in sharing with the sharing the field with Gallup and Lamb. He averaged 21 PPR points per game in those first four games. Now, I don't know if he's yeah, gonna. He's he's, he's fantastic. Be good, yeah. He's like, fantastic, and I think I a think lot of people have. are are ready to just kind of overlook Amari Cooper. Because last year wasn't amazing. They forget about those first four games. They forget about how he was in 2019. And I don't think you can do that. I think he's got some... I think he can be really good. I think he's worth a pick in the top 50. Uh, oh, for sure. I think it's just a matter of, t- to Adam's point, can he get to the level of what those other guys' ceilings could be? I don't know if that's going to be the case over the course of the season. If well, Lamb is as good as he potentially be, that's the problem. you know. Because if C.D. Lamb is is the guy, and he could easily be the guy in that offense, then it's going to be hard. And you know, let's factor in, they're going to have their starting tight end back as well. You know, so there's a lot of mouths to feed on this team. Yeah, not going to throw 50 times a game like they did. Uh, but Amari Cooper was, uh, let's see, in full PPR. He was wide receiver 7 in non, and in full he was wide receiver 10 in 2019. And that was with Dak Prescott throwing for about 4,900 yards, and I don't remember how many touchdowns. But no lamb. But no CD lamb. That's, that's of course, true. Uh, he threw for 30 touchdowns that year. And 4,900 yards, and he was Cooper, Cooper, to me, if you go heavy running back or non-wide receivers early, he's sitting there in round four, he's perfect. This is like, like I said, the, the, the way that I've been drafting a lot early with these receivers, and I'm not going to do this in August because it's not going to work out this way with this – I'm sorry, with the running back. The way that – it's just not going to play out the same way. But um, if I get Cooper as my second receiver in round four, if I go receiver, receiver, three and four, I'm thrilled with that. Absolutely thrilled with that. Or if I take a tight end in the first three rounds or quarterback in the first three rounds, which is rare – uh, I would love to have Amari Cooper as my number one or number two receiver. And in this case, he was my number one, and I'm fine with it. And I said Robert Woods bouncing back, but I, I stand by that, actually, because he, ha- he didn't even have 1,000 yards. He had 936 yards. He did have 155 rushing yards and two rushing touchdowns. But as a receiver, for Robert Woods to play 16 games and have 936 yards, yeah, that's not good. That's that's alarming to me. It's just kind of a gray area to call him a bounce back candidate because it wasn't like he stunk. He was wide receiver 13, but the rushing totals had a huge, huge impact on that. I don't know. I, like I said, I just don't want to call him a bounce back. It's just, it's yeah, just that's man. fine. But I, but I think 
Yeah. I, I but but at the same time, I don't know that I could possibly see Robert Woods having like a thirteen hundred yard, ten touchdown season or anything like that, even in seventeen games. I just I could. You think so? Oh yeah. Because of Stafford? It, because of Stafford and the way that this offense figures to probably take a few more chances pushing the ball downfield. And I know that they've got Deshaun Jackson to do that, but he's not going to be available for 17 weeks, and he's going to be a part-time player. And Cooper Cup isn't as much of a downfield threat as Robert Woods can be. The Rams have told us that they uh, love Robert Woods' athleticism just by how they use him on running plays. And he's capable of being um, at least an intermediate threat, 10-plus yards downfield. And Stafford is a huge upgrade at quarterback. So I could absolutely see. I could see Robert Woods having a career year. He's got 115 or more rushing yards, three straight seasons, so we should not be overlooking that. All right, I guess you guys feel like there is similar upside in round four at wide receiver as as what we had last year to more sum so. it up. More so, okay. Mm, I don't know about more so. There's just there's going to be a lot of good receivers that fall in there, especially names that you recognize and guys that have had a track record of success <clears throat> along with other younger receivers, and that'll bleed into round five as well. Okay. Um, so the real mission is going to be for us to start finding running backs that we would be comfortable taking in rounds four, five, six, seven. And there are, there are names that we'd be happy to take in that range. But I just think that I I would prefer a lot of quarterbacks and wide receivers in that range more. You know what I'd like to do? Jamie, do you know, or Dave, do you guys know the six teams that made the playoffs? I know you two, Heath and Chris, George was five. Yeah, I have the, the, Last week of the season in front of me. Okay. So Dave had Darren Waller. So Dave was the one seed at 10 and 3. George Maselli was 9 and 4. Chris Towers was 8 and 5. Then there was a three way tie. Uh, I think by by points, I was the four seed. So it was, I don't remember what the tiebreakers were. So I can't tell you who played who in the playoffs based on the tiebreakers. But I was 7 and 6. Ben Schrager was 7 and 6. And Heath Cummings was 7 and 6. You okay. just missed out at 6 and 7. Yeah. Story of my season. So. Dave had Darren Waller, George. Who, oh, so it did work out that way. I was the four. I played Ben, and Heath was the uh, five. He played Chris. All right. I just want to see how, how what the tight end situations were. So Dave, great team. Darren Waller, number one seed. George, number two seed. He drafted Tyler Higby in round six, and he started Jared Cook. The three seed was who? Chris. It was he, Chris. Okay, Chris, in the playoffs, he started Evan Ingram, and that is who he drafted. Actually, I did want to look at Chris's team a little bit more closely because he started with four wide receivers. Um, Heath, Jamie drafted two dud tight ends. Um, Hayden Hurst was one, I know. Hayden Hurst and uh, Chris Herndon, and you started Cole Komet in the championship. Heath uh, started Hunter Henry in the championship. I don't know. (laughs) I beat Dave. Oh my gosh! Ridiculous. Because Stephon Diggs scored twenty-eight touchdowns. He did draft Hunter Henry against the Patriots. So, who drafted Kelsey? It Will was Brinson. Will Brinson. Yeah, pick thirteen overall. Mixon, Kelsey, Beckham, AJ Brown, Fuller, Le'Veon Bell, uh, Breida, Singletary. Yeah, I guess I don't know. He probably had a decent team. Matt Ryan, Henry Ruggs. He did tied you at sixty-seven. He actually, I think, had more points than you. Yeah. Okay, so I the this is just one draft, but tight end didn't matter that much. It did for Dave. I mean, he had the number one seed, and Waller was a big part of it. But it looks like the other five teams in the playoffs were not special at tight end. 
Does that matter to you guys? Well, I mean, I can tell you that I had Zach Ertz, who I obviously picked up off waivers, so I don't know at what point I started him down the stretch, but I was obviously mixing and matching myself um, throughout the course of the season. Did you hate doing it? Was um, it a pain in the ass? I, I mean, I, I'm sure at some point I had a, a good stretch of play from, from somebody. I don't think I was doing it every week. Yeah. Like I, I think that's the first thing you've got to think about when you consider drafting a tight end early is do you just want to lock up the position, have an advantage over the rest of your league? It sounds great on the surface, but it's going to cost you a good player at another position to do it. I think this year, more than any year, I, I really don't mind doing it with one of those first three tight ends. Partially because I don't know if there are a lot of other tight ends that I'd be comfortable saying, okay, this is my guy until further notice. Yeah, I mean, well, I would look, do it with Hawkinson. I would do it with Pitts. I would do it with. Uh, well, but Andrews, Pitts has to be with. one of those guys that you, you you can't commit to him for the whole year. If he gets yeah, off and, a nice cold start, you're going to start looking around at other tight. Well, end. I mean, and and again, you know, my team's an example of that because I liked Hayden Hurst's situation a lot last year, and I took him in round nine, and he didn't perform very well. Right, and this year you're going sure to have to pick much earlier than round nine to get Pitts. I'm sure I started Hurst the majority of the season last year. Well, look, you got. You got what you get. You got two catches for 18 yards from Cole Komet in the championship, Jamie. So that's and why you, uh, it's no why you took home the hardware. <laughs> All right. Uh, Chris Towers. He. Yeah. You want to talk about his team because he didn't take any running backs. Yeah. And he finished. What? I'm sorry. He finished as the three seed. He was the three seed. Yes. Okay. He took. He. Where's his stupid team? I didn't write it down. <laughs> there it is. Uh, he took Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, and Terry McLaurin with his first four picks. Yeah, that's sexy. Hey, but gotta know, admit that's sexy. No, but the truth is, like Jones missed half the season. Evans was up and down. McLaurin was like wide receiver twenty. You know, if had if that had been DK Metcalf, which it could have been, that would have been a much better pick. Not obviously, we all make pick. I'm not criticizing Chris. I'm just saying that that really wasn't. As good as it sounds in our minds, you know Terry McLaurin. Those first six were, were really good, though. What's that? His first six picks were really good. Well, Deshaun Watson was in round six, and Antonio Gibson was in round five. And those are great. Uh, he took Ronald Jones. His other running backs were were bad. Um, Evan Ingram was his tight end. So Watson, Watson, Gibson. Yeah, I mean this. Good for him. It worked out. Uh, Adams, Julio, Evans, McLaurin. And he was able to pull it off. I'm sure he played the And the team the that he wire. started in the playoffs, he also had Chase Claypool at some point. Okay. Um, so the team that he started in the playoffs was Watson, Ronald Jones, Naeem Hines, Evans, Adams, McLaurin, Ingram, Claypool. And yeah. he had Gibson hurt at the end of the season and Julio hurt at the end of the season. So how do you have those two guys in the playoffs? Who knows? Yeah. Well, so who were the two running backs he started? Hines and... Ronald Jones Ronald and Naeem Hines. He drafted both of them. He held on yeah. them all year. All right, we're going to take a break here. And when we come back, we got some more notes from around the NFL. We'll finish with that. Be right back. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car. 
and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody. Got to tell you about CBS Sports HQ real quick here. Uh, this week, you can start your morning every every week. Uh, 8 a.m. Eastern with Morning Buzz. It's an hour of highlights, news, and all the days need to know. And leave us on all day, but make sure you come back at least for 6 p.m. Uh, when we've got everything that you need to know basically for the night ahead. we got the handicappers, the best ones in the world, telling you which picks, which bets to make. How to watch HQ, it's very easy. Go to your Roku, your Apple TV, Fire TV, any connect, most connected TVs. Look for the CBS Sports app. Fire it up. Check out HQ. That's the only 24-7 free sports streaming network. Okay, news and notes. Uh, actually had some some stuff over the weekend that wasn't Julio Jones. Greg Roman, Baltimore's offensive coordinator, he's pretty outspoken. He says RBBC a lot, but he said they're going to use all their running backs, including Justice Hill. And he also said he wants more downfield passing this season. So what do you make of that for the Ravens, Dave? I also believe he said like something along the effect of, at the end of the day, we're still going to be a running team. We can't just give up on that. So I don't know exactly what it means. I think the Ravens want to be a more efficient passing team. You look at how they've self-destructed in the playoffs the past couple of seasons, that they need to be better at throwing the football. They're addressing it with receivers that are, you know, in the case of Sammy Watkins, a a savvy veteran. In the case of Rashad Bateman, uh, a good outside presence. You know what I was thinking about was we, we, we were kind of in love with the idea of Allen Robinson potentially going to Baltimore at one point during the off season. And I, 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 I was fine. Maybe you weren't, but I was interested in how that would work and how that would look because then it would force defenses to pay attention to Allen Robinson. It would open things up and it would give them a, a big target, a big outside rangy target. And I wonder if that's what they're hoping Bateman eventually evolves into is somebody who could be, you know, a, a good contested catch guy that can catch 12 to 18 yard passes down the sideline or, you know, on a post route, something like that. And maybe in time he will, but this isn't a team that I still expect to all of a sudden throw the ball 575 times. They're still going to run the ball a lot. Why wouldn't they? So I don't know. The other thing they mentioned in the article is that he thinks that J.K. Dobbins can be a good pass catcher. I'll believe that when I see it in terms I – th- I think he could do it. The, the volume of targets necessary for Dobbins to be great for fantasy, I'll believe that when I see it. I don't think he's going to come near 50 catches. Okay. I'm sorry. I'm uh, working on a Twitter poll. And uh, it says, Thanks for listening. I was listening. I can do both. Last season, I dropped Justin Jefferson after week two for a running back. Which running back do you think that was? Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, Naheem Hines, or Peyton Barber? Let's see. I mean, everybody's going to know the answer to that. You think so? (laughs) Yes. I don't know. Because it's you. I don't think you're going to get 14,000 votes on that (laughs) poll. Let's see. Um, Okay. What else we got? What else we got? Cam Newton hurt his hand. Anyone care? Uh, not yet. All right. 
I mean, we're not, they don't owe us boo when it comes to an injury report, but if training camp opens and he's on the pup list with a hand injury, then yeah, that I'll would care. be bad. Yeah, I don't care. Jamison Crowder, not at OTAs. Jets are trying to make him take a pay cut. and He's going to be on a different team. They, well, they talk about like he's going to be on the Jets, but you don't think so? Uh, he, 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 he doesn't have to take the pay cut. He can look at the Jets' salary cap situation and say, you can afford to pay me triple what you owe me. So, no, I'm not going to take a pay cut. And so they'll, they're going to have to decide at some point whether or not he's worth the money. They don't have to do it yet. They can go through training camp and all that first if they really want it, just to see if they need him. Corey Davis is banged up already. So maybe they think that they do need him at some point. But my guess is that he'll be on a different team. Also, How many 100-yard games for Julio Jones since 2011? Since 2011? 20. Um, no. 40? 31. 58. Oh how, many, <laughs> how many 100-yard games from every single Tennessee Titans player combined? 100-yard receiving games from all the Titans <laughs> over that same span? 26. 12. Half as many. 12. 50. What? Oh, okay. How many times last year did two... Titans wide receivers have 70 or more yards in the same game. Once. Twice in the middle. Huh. Huh. Uh, Mikai Becton, left tackle for the Jets. He's got plantar fasciitis and he's apparently a little overweight. Needs to improve his conditioning. Minnesota, I've been there, man. Minnesota. Oh, that plantar fasciitis, Dave. Minnesota signed Brashad Breeland. <laughs> that too. And Jamie, DJ Chark, he added some muscle. Urban Meyer says he wants him to play bigger. I was like, boy, that sounds like something a college coach would say about a college wide receiver. But I am a little biased, I think. But I plan to draft DJ Chark ahead of uh, Stefan Diggs like I did in that other league as well. <laughs> you usually don't like when at least running backs put on muscle. Do you no, like, do you like this for Chark? I mean, I don't think it's going to kill him, but it's just really bad for backs more so than receivers. If it slows him down, it's bad. Yeah, that's the bottom line. And we shouldn't skip over the Breland news either. Minnesota's building a, a pretty decent secondary. They're building a pretty good defense. This is a bounce back defense for sure. Yeah. Yes. When they're playing against Jordan Love, they should win the division. <laughs> Don't forget about Jared Goff and Andy Dalton. Dear Lord, uh, that is a horrible division of quarterbacks if Aaron Rodgers is out. Well, <laughs> you think <laughs> Fields will Fields will end up playing ahead of Dalton? I don't Fair know if fun. it'll happen week one, but it'll happen at some point. That'll make it a little bit harder on the Vikings, but Does, that's a team that could win the that could win their division. We talked about who would win the AFC South. It's a fun show. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's why people listen. I enjoy it today. We help people out, man. Conversation. We try. How's our mock draft going to look Tuesday night? Lots of running backs early. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. It's going to be you three. Re- some surprise guests. Can you can you please make sure I don't have like the eleventh pick every time we do? A I mock. can please yes. I'll talk to the random draft. Uh, well, if you see program. that I get picks ten through twelve, do it again. Or no. swap. That's not fair. <laughs> I always get. I can't learn anything, Dave. If I'm always drafting in all the right, same all right, spot. All right. So how, well, I'll I think the last you. time you had a pick like seven, you screwed up the entire draft. You didn't know what pick you were. No. You didn't know what pick we were on. If I'm not picking in the top six, I'll trade. If I've got seven, eight, nine, I'll trade you that if you get 10, 11, 12. Five. Deal. Deal, deal, deal. That's Dave and Jamie. I'm Adam. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today. Just a quick complaint.
You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If. Ready PG.